0: Psalm 20 is commonly described as a royal psalm. It's a psalm that was written by David as he, as King of Israel, led the people in worship before they went out to battle. In our 20th century or 21st century years, we may find the concept of worship and battle a difficult one to stomach. But in those days, a nation's strength and a nation's uh, success was wrapped up in how they worshiped God and in the God that they worshiped. And so the economic well-being and indeed security of the people was very much wrapped up in how they worshiped uh, the God that they served. Now, we don't face the same situation that the Israelites faced here in trying to settle themselves in the promised land. We do face problems and indeed opposition. Some have likened the uh, coronavirus to a battle. We are fighting a battle against a small, invisible virus that has wrecked absolute misery and a toll of suffering here and in many parts of our world. It is like a war that we're in. So we face the problems of coronavirus. We also face uh, problems that... Maybe we haven't mentioned much in recent times. For example, Brexit. What's going to happen as we continue the process of disengaging from the European Union? The little viruses swallowed up all talk of Brexit. But we also face in the Christian church in the West, I believe, increasing opposition to the message and values of the Christian faith. We have a secularized West in which church attendance has plummeted in recent years. We have a liberal uh, culture that rejects Christian faith and standards and is sometimes terribly illiberal when it comes to people saying, I have a different viewpoint from you. So we have all these difficulties and problems in the world that we're living in at the moment. And David, acutely aware of the enemies he faced in his time, led the people in worship. Whenever we face difficulties or even opposition to our Christian faith, David teaches us something of what we need to know about our relationship with God. And I want to suggest this morning a number of things that we can learn from this Psalm number 20. And here's the first, God answers prayer. Verse one, may the Lord answer you when you're in distress. I find that interesting that David says, may the Lord answer you when you're in distress. During the Second World War, the churches were filled with people flocking to them Sunday by Sunday, and during the week as well, praying for their loved ones who were off fighting the Nazis in the war, and people really turned to God because they believed there was no one else to turn to. The decline in Western church attendance since the Second World War has been on a downward trend ever since. And yet, in different parts of the world, the church is growing phenomenally. Bizarrely, in this time of pandemic, people have not been able to flock to the church as they have been closed. And we look forward to the day when they're fully opened again. But there's been a huge surge in numbers of people Googling words like prayer. Huge surge in numbers of people listening to online services. And here's the thing, when we face difficulty, whenever any of us come to an end in ourselves, we understand we have to cast ourselves on God. And when we do that, God answers prayer. The second thing I think we can learn is this, that God sends his protection. I love that second part of verse one where it says, may the name of the God of Jacob protect you. And Whenever you see in the New Testament or the Old Testament the name of the God of Jacob mentioned, it is a reminder that God is personal. He is a God of covenant. He enters into relationship with people. And David says, may the name of the God of Jacob protect you, the name of the God who has been the God of our fathers and our forefathers before them. I love the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Uh, Joseph was, as you know, a, a man, a young boy, as a teenager, he was sold into slavery by his brothers who just couldn't stand him. Uh, and as he entered into service in the house of Potiphar, uh, a commander of the army of Pharaoh in Egypt, he uh, was seduced, or tried, his, the wife of Potiphar tried to seduce him, but he fled and ran away from her advances. So she accused him unjustly and unfairly. And he ends up in prison. I find that story very perplexing because all along the line, Joseph is mistreated, abused. He is unfairly, unjustly treated. Why did God let that happen? And as the story goes on, you discover that he is forgotten about in prison by the people he helps. And for another couple of years, languishes in a prison until one day he is taken out of prison. He helps Pharaoh and Pharaoh installs him basically as the prime minister of Egypt. So why did God allow him to go through all those suffering experiences? Well, they think this is part of the answer. God's protection is not a kind of magic that means we never face difficulties. We maybe never even have a problem. Or we maybe never even have an issue that causes us sleepless nights or anything like that. God does not promise that to any of us, but he does promise protection. And God's protection goes far beyond questions of life and death. It was Jesus who reminded us that we need not fear anyone who can kill our bodies, but rather God who can consign both body and soul to hell. Yet the very name of the God of Jacob, says David, will protect us. And for Joseph, as I said a moment ago, this turned out to his benefit and the benefit of Israel and of Egypt as he became the second most powerful man in Egypt. Someone said Jesus is not like an armchair general sitting at home uh, sending out the troops to battle. He is better than that. He is more than that. I love to tell the story of a man called Alec. Uh, Alec was a man I was... uh, Uh, assigned to have a sabbatical with for a whole week uh, a good number of years ago. He's one of the most godly men I've ever met. And I'm going to tell you a story about him that you may not believe. And I would not have believed it myself, but for the fact of the sheer and it godliness of this man. He was telling me one time that he was on an outreach team working in the docks area of London. And for some reason, he got separated from other members of the team. He was on his own, and he was trying to witness to a man about Jesus who was drunk and who pulled a knife and became very abusive. And Alec says, the man then tried to stab him in the stomach, but the knife couldn't go into Alec because an angel came and stood between him and this man brandishing the knife. And because he couldn't get the knife into Alec's stomach, he dropped the knife and ran off and fled. Alec said it was an angel who came and stood between him and God. Now, you may not believe that story. You may find it very difficult. My uh, understanding was that Alec was a truthful man, a godly man, and I believe it absolutely. And this God who is without beginning and without end This God of history who established a moral universe for us to inhabit, this God who is the originator and means of our salvation, the giver of eternal life, will protect us. So that even if the very worst happens to us in life, we will reign in eternity with his son, Jesus Christ. God will protect us. The third thing this morning I want us to uh, think of is this. God sends his provision. Verse 2 may he send you help from the sanctuary. When we draw near to God, he draws near to us. You may not be able to testify to an angel's intervention in your life, but occasionally I'm sure you find at times of need, someone came either with a practical helping hand or a a, a real financial support. Number of years ago, uh, 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 the doorbell and the man rang and the man, uh, came to the door, who was a leader in, in my church. Uh, and he said, uh, Ken, God has blessed my wife and I, and we want to share something of that blessing with others. And he handed me two envelopes, and he said, I want you to give uh, one to two families, one envelope each two families, uh, and uh, you pray about that, and you decide who to give them to. So I prayed and I felt two families were laid in my heart and I went to one uh, and they opened up the envelope inside and I, I discovered from them how much money was inside uh, and it was fantastic for them. They said, we have a bill that we cannot pay uh, and it's due next Monday uh, and we have no means of paying that bill. We were worried about it and we were really, really distressed and they were able to meet that bill and have a small amount of money left over at the end. I prayed about the other family to go to and went to them and went and sat down with them. They didn't open the envelope, uh, but uh, they they took it from me. And later on, I heard that they hadn't been able to have a holiday for 12 years. uh, And they were able to use the money in the envelope to get a week's holiday together for the first time in 12 years. You may not think that that man who called at my door was an angel, but I think in many ways he was. Uh, He was God's gift to those two families that I was able to uh, pass on the money to. God sends his provision. Do we trust that God will provide? What will happen as Brexit negotiations continue. Isn't it amazing how a little virus has dominated the news the last four or five months and Brexit is still going on in the background, but we hear very little about that. Will life ever get back to normal after the virus? Can our difficulties be regarded in faith as opportunities to prove that God will provide for us or will we succumb to our difficulties? David says God sends his provision Then fourthly, God sends his power. Verse two, may he grant you support from Zion. You know, when you have any kind of electrical appliance and it's plugged into the plug socket, uh, you have to switch it on at the socket. If it's not switched on at the socket, it will not work. It's the same with God. God. We can be plugged in, we can give our lives to Him, ask Him to be our Savior, but if we're not accessing the power available, we will not benefit. How do we switch on that power? By the practice of prayer and the reading and meditating upon God's Word. You want support from Zion? Spiritual backup from the headquarters for the battles that you face? Then pray and read the Bible. simple but very profound and very important. Through prayer and the reading of Scripture, these means are ways in which God's presence is actualized in our lives and the power of the Holy Spirit can flow through us. Whenever we face difficulties or opposition, it's the man or woman who has a long habit of a devotional life practicing the presence of Christ who will survive difficulties and opposition. Here's another thing, number five, God receives our worship. Psalm 20 verse 3, may he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. Obviously, that was in an Old Testament context. But how amazing that God knows when you're worshiping and sees how you worship and what you give and what you do. Isn't that encouraging? We've not been able to gather in our church and we're looking forward to the next couple of weeks to be able to get back in some way here in Mays. But God sees your worship, whether it's at home or whether it's here in the church. And God accepts that. Isn't that wonderful? Come to worship prepared. Even when you're watching us and worshiping online, come prepared knowing that God receives our worship. And then next, uh, God directs our plans. Verse four, may he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. The desires of your heart make all your plans succeed. What's the secret of that? The secret is simply this. I need to bend my will to God's I need to submit my will and my ambitions and my hopes and fears to God. You remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was praying in such agony that sweats of blood came from his body. And he nevertheless said, Lord, not my will but yours be done. And when we have that attitude, God directs our plans and gives us the desires of our heart. And then number seven, God gives us victory. Verse five, we will shout for joy when you're victorious and we'll lift up our banners in the name of our God. David and many leaders like him often acknowledged that the victory that they had was God's. And every spiritual advance we make in the church, every accomplishment we achieve as individuals, everything that we succeed in, that the church succeeds in, is down to God's power and grace. Never let's get ahead of ourselves and imagine that in our own strength we're able to do anything for the kingdom of God. But with God, anything is possible. And that brings us to the words of David that although written in the plural, I believe are his personal response to worship. He says in verse seven, some trust in chariots and some on horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Let's put that in a modern context. Some trust in tanks and fighter jets and cruise missiles, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Here's the challenge this morning. What are you trusting in? Money? Job? Family? Your abilities? Your friends? A partner? The Bible tells us, and world history proves it, that dictators and despots and empires fall because none can avoid bowing the knee to death itself. But look at verse eight. They are brought to their knees and fall, says David. He's speaking as a powerful king of Israel, a man who commanded armies, but who knew that God was greater than any of them. He says these Despots and dictators are brought to their knees and fall, but we will rise up and stand firm. We will rise up. And we have a stronger hope than David's in that by putting our trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior, because he has gone before us through death itself to resurrection, we through him will rise. That's our hope. I wonder, is it yours? I love the fact that during this coronavirus, many people have been forced to think seriously about life and the future. I guess like you, I thought often in the early days, especially, what if I get it? What if I die through coronavirus? But here's the wonderful thing about our faith. Although we are brought to our knees and fall eventually to death itself, we will rise up and stand firm. Why? Because of Jesus. And what he has done for us. I hope that's your hope. It's my hope that sustains me and the hope of the Church of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you're the God we can trust, because you have gone through death and resurrection and lived today to be our Savior and our friend. Help us today, O God to learn how to reach out to you and to take your hand and to put our trust in you for this life and for the next. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.